Hey fans, before we get going, just wanted to send out a reminder that you can head to anchor.fm slash Wolverine Sounds, where you can choose to support this podcast, or you can send us voice messages. We certainly appreciate either. So head over to anchor.fm slash Wolverine Sounds. Please show us some love. Now let's get on to the show. is the Go Blue Crew. Hello and welcome to episode 99 of the Go Blue Crew. I'm Tyler with Derek Devine. I think that's the first time I've ever introduced us in the first uh, 15 seconds of a show. It's been a while. But episode 99 calls for some from some, some flair, wouldn't you say? You know, I would, but at the same time, as I announced to you before we went kind of what kind of live i uh no microphone no headphones like as we get towards 100 like my equipment should be getting better and it's getting drastically worse instead. it's getting way worse i mean just on totally unprepared it's actually like it's not that the equipment is getting worse it's that you don't have it yeah i just don't have it yeah it would be a good thing if you had equipment and it was getting worse that's that's what happened that would imply that you have equipment it's true. That's that's what happens when you relocate, you know, fourteen hundred miles, and you're relying on the previous office's uh, audio equipment to record your podcast. <laughs> Heck yeah! So uh, Michigan is on a three-game winning streak, and we can celebrate it? some mini victories, right? Yeah. Sure. Which yeah, I mean, the 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 big win in there was Iowa. You know that the win two weeks ago, beat Illinois, uh, forty-two. To 25. Sorry, I don't have my glasses on, so that was kind of difficult to see on my computer screen. But three wins in a row going into Penn State. We can get to Penn State later on in the show, but I just wanted to take some time to dissect what we saw against Illinois, which it hit some highs and lows, like maybe the highest high of the season, maybe the lowest low of the season. I don't know how you want to think of Army when it comes to the lowest low. But at one point, Illinois ripped off like four scores in a row from late in the first half to early in the fourth quarter. And it looked like Michigan was going to blow a comfortable lead that they had built early on. And then Shea Patterson with the the drive of the season, you know, to give Michigan some life kind of late in the game. And then the defense stepped up with a couple turnovers and the score, the, the, the margin of victory was, was wider than what it felt like in that second half. But just from a, the standpoint of like thinking of the way things have looked this season, what stood out to you against Illinois? Well, what stood out is the the fact that they allowed the what, 25 unanswered points, I guess it was. And I mean, that, that literally could have been the worst loss um, in the Jim Harbaugh era and maybe not the worst loss necessarily for just because of the opponent, but in terms of the way it would have happened I and mean, being up uh, 28, nothing, and, and then allowing 25 unanswered. I mean, that's, that's just ridiculous. And, and Illinois really didn't have anything um, to show for not a team that should have put up 25 on, on Michigan. Um, and the way that Michigan looked early on, I mean, people were complaining um, that, you know, are they even going to pass? Because it looked like all they had to do is, is run the ball, and the next thing you know, they're, they're unable to score. So what I take away is there are um, still plenty of things that Michigan needs to work on. They're far from a perfect team. 
Um, they're likely going to have some more blemishes and um, add a couple of numbers to that loss column. Um, again, we'll talk Penn State in a bit here, uh, but that's going to be a tough, tough game if you uh, you play like you did in that third quarter uh, against Illinois. I mean, because again, it was 28-25 after being 28 nothing, and until nine minutes to go in the game, uh, finally when Michigan scored, and then a few minutes later they they scored again on a Shea Patterson. Uh, sneak. So I, I just feel like they showed flashes. The the Patterson drive was a was a highlight. Some great passes, good catch by Diamonds, people Jones in the end zone. But I mean, you can't let up. You you cannot let a team like Illinois score twenty five because that leads me to believe a team like Penn State or Notre Dame or um, Ohio State late in the season um, will put up twenty five in the first quarter on you. Absolutely, and I was kind of hoping before this game that Brandon Peters would get a shot to go out there and like compete against his old team. I just kind of wanted to see that happen. But after watching uh, Illinois backup quarterback orchestrate or, you know, orchestrate makes it seem like he kind of let it in. The, uh, it's sort of difficult to like go back and think, you know, how did that even happen? But you know, bottom line is like, I feel like Illinois probably could have done, more damage done better with their starter, Brandon Peters. So uh, in hindsight, I am, I'm happy that Illinois was without their starting quarterback, even though it would have been a decent story. And this was a game where I thought we cannot look at Shea Patterson's performance or the play calling and be like, why didn't they throw it more? Why didn't they push it downfield? Because that wind was atrocious all game. You could see it, especially with the referee's pants, flopping back and forth like that just wasn't a game you were going to get too many downfield shots and even when the ball had to travel more than it seemed like 10 15 yards in the air you just you could just tell that the wind was was uh doing damage to it and and there wasn't the same kind of zip on passes that we're used to seeing so this was a game where I'm, I'm not looking at the play calling and wondering why they didn't push it downfield i'm not looking at shea patterson and wondering like you know why wasn't he more accurate why didn't he take more chances uh, this was this was just a, a tough environment, um, not because of you know Champaign, Illinois, but just because of uh, the weather, the wind that that made it difficult. So what's that mean though moving forward? I mean, Penn State looks like it's going to be some decent weather. That is a tough road environment. It will be a whiteout, and that's a a very hard place to play. Just saw something that you know when favorited or against the spread that Penn State at home is eight and zero in the past however many years and been winning by thirteen or more. Um, how, I mean, if weather is likely going to be a factor moving forward, like what's the answer then? Cause you, you gotta be able to pass downfield to beat some of these teams and other teams find a way to, to play with the elements. I mean, how does, how does Michigan beat teams if the weather's not favorable then? Well, so the old, uh, saying, right. Is like, if it's hot for us, it's hot for them. Mm-hmm. If it's windy for us, it's windy for them. There's that. But the point of pushing the ball downfield is to generate big plays, explosive plays, which isn't the only way to do it. We look at this Michigan offense and say, all things equal, that is their best chance to do it, push the ball downfield, because they have these big athletic wide receivers who can go make plays 35, 40 yards from the line of scrimmage. But you you can also work in some wide receiver screen stuff, which we haven't seen any of this season. Mm-hmm. Um, you could you could pop something big with a running back, uh, which we haven't seen much of this season either. So the, if 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 you know wind is a, a factor again, you know, let's say, and and 
or it's raining and like you're just not able to get a good enough grip to rip it downfield. There are other ways to generate big plays and that's where Michigan has to be able to execute. You you can't just be like, well, you know what? We're not doing anything more than 20 yards today because the weather's not ideal. You have to find that, that next thing, even if it's not your best thing, it's your next thing. You got to be able to go to it. I don't have confidence that Michigan can go to it. And that's where you would just rely on the defense to make it a, a back and forth game where field position really matters. But that's the answer. You got to find the next thing. I think the other answer too is just don't turn the ball over. Um, in fact, let's just not even put the ball on the ground, even if you're going to recover it yourselves. I mean, even putting the ball on the ground, I mean, you're going to lose yards if you drop it behind the line of scrimmage. I mean, it, it can uh, rattle a player. It can stop a, a drive, good drive in his tracks, especially if you do turn the ball over. And, and for me, I mean, if I, I care less about big plays if they can't even um, sustain drives because they're turning the ball over. And this fumble problem is honestly unlike anything I've ever seen uh, from that level of football. It, you know how you're watching a quarterback like scramble and he's holding the ball out and you're, you get nervous or cause you're expecting somebody to come bat it away. Mm-hmm. I I get that feeling no matter what, yeah. no matter who is running with the ball, no matter they could have both arms wrapped around the ball, you know, absolute maximum protection. And I'm still nervous because it just seems like every time somebody touches the ball, there's a decent chance that they're going to lose it. And we've seen it may not even take somebody hitting them. Like they just may get loose with the ball and it's coming out already by the time they get hit. So I, I get that feeling all the time. And you're right. If, if you can't um, hold on to the football, then, you know, those other things, um, they become even like more important, more is more um, urgent to like hit a big play because you can't count on your offense to keep the ball for 12 plays. Not that I think there are many college offenses out there that could, you know, execute like multiple um, six, seven minute drives where they're running 15 plays. But if if you're going to be loose with the ball, that makes it even more urgent to hit big plays so that you can get into the end zone, kick the ball off and see what your defense does. Yeah, one of the things and I mean, this might be a good transition into talking about Penn State is one of the things that you cannot do. Uh, on the road at State College, uh, whether Penn State is a top 10 team or, or ranked or just outside of the top 25, you can't beat yourselves. Um, Michigan's going to have to do everything they can to play clean football and, and um, execute uh, to the to the best of its ability. Um, obviously, we, we saw some things we liked against Illinois. We've seen some things we've liked in some other games. But, I mean, if there's a, a game to put it all together, uh, and, and give that um, you know, confidence moving forward that Michigan may have a chance to do something in the Big Ten or at least uh, pose a threat. And this is the game to do it. And this is also the game where if it doesn't come together and it, it looks like that 42-13 to 13 loss in the 2017 season, uh, I mean, we all know what the, the rest of that season looked like. So uh, I just feel like this is kind of make it or break it for for, for Michigan and if you can eliminate turnovers and eliminate mistakes and execute even on the, the short plays, small plays, uh, you've got a chance, but it looks looks difficult. Did you get to watch Penn State against Iowa? Yeah, I, I uh, had it on the whole time and, and kind of tuned in and tuned out uh, every once in a while. But, I mean, it's, uh, it's weird because Penn State didn't seem like a team heading into the season that would be 
uh, a top 10 team. Uh, it seems like a team that have a blemish uh, before uh, Michigan would have uh, met up with them. Uh, and I mean, the fact that they are a top 10 team would make that road win uh, so much uh, more valuable, uh, not only for the, the team and, and their positioning in the, in the Big Ten and such, but for Harbaugh um, looking for that uh, signature uh, road victory against a top team in the nation. And so, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a team that I think is better than Michigan uh, and definitely has an advantage playing for another home crowd. The thing that was kind of encouraging for me is that uh, Iowa's defense did pretty well against Penn State. Didn't create many turnovers or any turnovers. Um, Penn State was still 10 of 19 on, on third downs. But you know, at the end of the day, held them to, to 17 points. And if Iowa's offense had any kind of life, you know, you can imagine that um, the Hawkeyes may have been able to win that game. But that was the encouraging thing to me, the fact that um, Penn State's offense is, is not like it was when it was um, Saquon Barkley back there tearing defenses apart. This is a little more tame. It's something that Mich- it, look, I, I think Michigan can handle. And if, if Michigan has to go out and win this game 17 to, to 13 or whatever, I guess fine by me. Like you'll just move on to the next week and, and see if you can get your offense going again. But that to me, like watching this game, I was just waiting the whole time for Penn State to blow it open, but they never did. And Iowa, um, you know, like I said, if they just had any kind of offense, it, it could have been a different result. But that gave me a little bit of hope going into this weekend. Well, and you mentioned the the score just then. I mean, that's the type of game Michigan needs. They need to have their defense play like it did against Iowa and against Illinois for most of the game uh, on on Saturday. And you got to keep Penn State uh, from scoring. And again, without Trace McSorley and Saquon Barkley and all the other um, offensive playmakers they had um, in 2017 and even uh, last year with Miles Sanders, I mean, you you probably aren't going to see them put up 30, 40 points uh, on a team like a Iowa or a Michigan defense. Now now that I say that, that's probably what's going to happen. <laughs> um, but they they had, the, uh, they had the, the big explosion of a game and their opening win. I think they scored like, felt like 90 points, but I'm sure it was more in the 70s, high 70s. Um, so, they, I mean, they can score, but I think that Michigan's defense will slow them down. And it's just, again, a matter of scoring more points than the opponent. And Michigan's got to find a way to get into the end zone because uh, with the way the kicking games kind of looked and, uh, and, and and the fact that, I mean, three points isn't going to do as much as the seven, uh, you've got you've to do something. And so I think Michigan's going to rely on their defense heavily, um, and they are going to have to execute on offense. And Really, for me, I think the earlier uh, and obviously the more often they can score, the better. But if you can come out that first drive, that first possession, uh, put seven points on the board, I think that's going to uh, make a world of difference, especially in that environment. Because you've got to do something to take the crowd out of it, even if it's just for a, a quick moment. Now, can you give me a percentage chance that Michigan's offense goes out and like is really looking good? hitting some big plays here and there, not turning it over, ultimately getting down to the end zone. What's the percentage chance that this happens on Saturday against Penn State? At all or throughout the game? Throughout the game. Uh, I'm going to go with – I'll go high. I'll go 33%, which isn't really high. Wow. But See, I thought you were going to say, I'll go high 10. 
I'll, I'll give him uh I'll give him thirty three point three 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 Um Okay, I, so one third of the time they'll do it. Yeah, I think that they're a team that's capable of it. Um, consistency has been the biggest issue. So, I mean, I, I'm say they they elect to to receive or or Penn State to first. When you come out and you score, uh, you you hold Penn State to a field goal. Maybe maybe Penn State matches and scores, and then you come back and do it again. I think they're I think it, they're capable of it, and I think it's possible. And I think it's going to take two early scores and taking a lead into halftime to uh, really kind of keep things moving. I'm not that they can't come back. Uh, it just doesn't seem like a team that's prepped for the hurry up, the the score quick. I mean, they, they're trying to get more into that mode. Their, their offense moves a lot faster, but we haven't seen enough of that uh, rather other than late in games when you're like, oh, wow, they finally threw to Nico Collins. Um, Great, glad that they are finally featuring this. Um, yeah. So I don't expect them to to score in, in bunches, but if they can uh, really kind of be effective on their first couple of possessions, minimal field goal, and uh, and then obviously eliminate the turnovers, I think that that's where I can go with that thirty three percent. But it could easily be. I mean, if we're talking boomer bust, I'm more likely to go on the bust uh, because we just haven't seen it consistently enough to where they can uh, score unless it was against Rutgers. Now, Jim Harbaugh made a comment that so far this season, Shea Patterson has been the best quarterback on the field. And we don't have to go and debate that, but do you think it's still true against Sean Clifford from Penn State? Is is Shea Patterson still going to be the best quarterback out there? You know, it's hard to tell, but he sure should be. I mean, uh, Sean Clifford is a guy who came in with minimal uh, on-the-field experience, um, but he's looked more than capable. Um, his touchdown to interception ratio is great. Uh, he's somewhere in the 60s for completing passes, and uh, I mean he's he's performing as one of the better quarterbacks in the nation. Now, again, some of that helps to having that 79-point victory or whatever it was early in the year, and some of the other opponents. Um, but he's he's more than capable, uh, and I, I think that he's been playing really really well, especially effective as a scrambler. So. He could be the the better quarterback in the field, but man, Shea Harrison should be the better quarterback. And for me personally, and not to make this about a a quarterback debate, but I think that this weekend would be the last draw for me finally, in terms of Shea Harrison at quarterback. If he just one, if he's not the better quarterback on the field, and two, if he just happens to to play awful or get hit with the turnover bug. So you would take Dylan McCaffrey presumably and like put him out against Notre Dame. You know, I, I probably would because if you if you drop to Penn State, you've got two losses. You're likely not going to beat a team like a, a, an Ohio State probably especially, and you could fall to Notre Dame. You could fall to Maryland if they play phenomenally. You could lose to Michigan State. I mean, at some point I'm, I'm looking for the future um, and getting people in there with experience. I mean, the only advantage against Notre Dame is it's not sending a, a backup out into a road environment. So you do get to play at home. I think that Dylan McCaffrey – if available, is, is capable. Um, I still think Shea Patterson is the best quarterback on the roster until proven differently. I don't know if we'll even ever see that proven differently this season. But for me personally, I mean, if, if he can't perform to a level that allows Michigan even a chance to beat uh, Penn State and you've got two losses already, I just don't see a whole lot of point of, of kind of hanging on and might as well throw someone else into the fire and uh, give them the experience because I, I think a guy like a Dylan McCaffrey, as competitive as he is, 
Um, I feel like, I mean, that's the only way a guy like that's going to learn and improve that they're the, the next big quarterback. Interesting. So I think um, it's worth pointing out here at Penn State that other than Iowa, their best win is a 17-10 win over Pitt. Uh, the most points they've given up, though, is 13 to Buffalo. This is a really legit defense. This is the thing like everyone talks about, you know, the the surprising um, season that Penn State is having is like that defense has stepped up in every game. And, you know, even when the offense hasn't been fantastic, like 17 points against Iowa, 17 versus Pitt. Um, they've had really big games, obviously, but that's against um, Maryland and, and, and Idaho. You know, I mean, I don't know how much stock we can put into that. But this defense is what has put Penn State on the map. And if if you're a Michigan fan going into this one, you're like, oh my gosh, like can can the Wolverines offense like get through a really good defense? Because we haven't seen it like really in a while. I'm, and I'm not just talking about this season. Like we haven't seen Michigan's offense perform well against a good defense consistently. You know, it may happen here or there, but like like it just doesn't seem to happen very often at all. It should happen more than it does. So, you know, that's the thing that may end up frustrating people the most is like it could be a suffocating kind of performance from the Penn State defense where Michigan is like struggling to get into double digits in the fourth quarter and the game's out of reach and you're just like, show me something. So I think we do need to kind of prepare ourselves for that possibility. Yeah, I mean, especially after the Iowa win, you come out with a victory, but you, you, know, you can't put points up on the board. Uh, really after halfway through the, the first quarter or whatever it was. Um, and so you found a way to win the game, but you didn't do anything offensively to impress anybody. And Penn State having a top 10 offense and top 10 defense, a defense, like you said, that's I think surprising to maybe everyone outside of Penn State fans, uh, is is not a good recipe for Michigan to start finally having their success. I mean, we know how their, their, uh, their first road trip went um, against a great, I mean, a super good Wisconsin team. I mean, I could podcast on Wisconsin alone. They they seem to continue to just get better, and, and they're really, really impressive. But um, you score 14 on Wisconsin. Um, again, you can win a 14-13, 14-10, 14-7 game uh, against a Penn State team, I guess. But, yeah, there's nothing that leads me to believe that this is the game that Michigan will put it all together on offense uh, because, again, they found a way to beat Iowa. And scored enough points to do so, but Iowa had a great defense. I think that's part of the reason Penn State only had the 17 points against Iowa because I do think that Iowa still is a really good team. Now they've suffered back-to-back losses now, um, but I mean, Pitt even held um, Penn State to, to a low-scoring output, like you mentioned. So I'd say that it's going to be a low-scoring affair. But when Michigan has to face two top 10 units as offense and defense, I mean, it's going to be a big challenge. And, and obviously the offensive challenge is what worries people the most. Okay. So we're about 22 minutes deep. We can wrap it up here. What is your score prediction for this weekend? You know, I'm going to predict a win um, and, and confidently predict a win, which is weird after the other things I've said, but uh, I think it's going to be a 20 to 13 win. And I think that, uh, and, and part of the reason I kind of went with what kind of needs to happen is I think Michigan's going to find a way to come out and score and look really good. I think that they're going to struggle throughout maybe the rest of the game um, and then get a couple of field goals. Um, so I'm thinking like a 14-7 to halftime lead and, and kick a couple of field goals to, to, to stay ahead. And so I am predicting a, 
a Michigan win. Uh, but for my 100th episode, or 100th episode, I can't promise I'll be doing the same under the lights at Notre Dame. But we'll see how they do this weekend. What about you? Okay. Okay, so I'm going to take Penn State 30, Michigan 15, and just hope that uh, they go out there and prove me wrong. And maybe episode number 100 will be a big surprise and will be full of optimism going uh, into the Notre Dame game. So but, are they scoring two touchdowns and going for two? or? Um, you know, I, I need to think of different ways they can get to 15. I'm more, I'm more concerned about uh, the margin. I think, yeah, I think Penn State will get to, to 30 and, and yeah, you know, maybe they'll score, score twice and go for two. I don't know. I mean, there's so, gotta be more than one way to get to 15 though, right? Yeah. Just nothing but field goals, five field goals. <laughs> I guess I'm counting on Michigan to not finish any drives. <laughs> yeah. If Michigan doesn't finish any drives and even if they kick, I mean, five field goals would be remarkable in its own sense. I'm not going to win you a football game, but I mean, they could, That'd mean that there was some kicking success at least. That'll uh, be episode number one hundred. Yeah, that will be. I mean, what a what a tough episode one hundred that's going to be if if Michigan lost and all they could do is kick field goals. <laughs> I guess better well, than uh, putting zero on the board. Oh yeah, anything would be better than one field goal. Please, Michigan, just one field goal. Come back with us next week for episode one hundred, and we will um, either celebrate or sulk in in what happens against Penn State this Saturday under the lights at Penn State. Big game, obviously. College game day will be there. And then we'll get ready for Notre Dame. So if you want to follow me on Twitter, do it at Ty underscore Fenwick. You can follow Derek at Divine Identity. We'll see you next week. Go Blue. Go Blue.